Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, everyone. Waiting for Ben to pop in. This is uh, Harrison Star, HD underscore Star on Twitter. Um, really, not quite sure where to start. And then I think Iowa scored uh, more points than we were all expecting. Um, Fourteen, even though it came after they started down uh, twenty to zero. So, are we going to call that? Uh, um, you know, luck of the draw or a uh, function of a little bit of prevent defense, or did the team actually make some strides? Where? Oh, waiting on, on Ben. There he is. Ben Ross. How are you uh, doing, my friends? I don't want you to end your monologue. What else? You, you continue. Well, I just like, I, I, I my computer is uh, updating that, you know, the, the best time. So I don't have all the stats ahead of me, but, Petrus had over half his yards after Iowa went down uh, 20 to zero with the the short field. And I just like, is there anything to take from this game other than Iowa is who we thought they were? No, I don't think so. Nothing's changed. I think a lot of like looking at, the game, I don't think was even as close as a score, and it was still a two-score game. You know, the time of possession, I think, was within nine minutes, um, and it didn't feel like that. I think Michigan only had nine more plays. Um, they had 11 more total plays in Iowa, and it felt like 20 or 30 more total plays. At one point, it, the deficit was that large. I think at one point it was like 30 plays to nine or something, or not maybe not 30, but like 20 to nine. Um, it, and the defense, you know, it's, you can say what you want about, you know, let up the late touchdown to quorum. I don't know if you want to count that against me or not, but holding the number four team in the country to 20 points, like in, in a game that was close, like that's as good as you can hope for. Right. Um, you know, I didn't get on the board until the fourth quarter. It's kind of, are you surprised by that? No. Are you surprised by anything? that you saw today the answer to me is no the thing I'm most surprised by maybe is the lack of defensive pressure on on McCarthy but like that's not the reason Iowa lost no I mean I think that to me the the biggest nugget is I think Iowa from a broad scheme grand scheme of things to me they had the absolute wrong mindset coming into the game like, I, I thought this was just not very good game management by Kirk in, in terms of immediately deferring. Now, granted, like, Iowa, 
I don't think you necessarily defer because you, you think you can come out and run, you know, the, the type of drive that, that Michigan did, you know, 11 some plays, five minutes off the board, um, get up 7-0. But I think you take the ball so that you can play the game on your terms. And to me, I think that that's where I don't think the game was necessarily lost there. But I think that it didn't help Iowa um, just because, you know, you start down 7-0. And as I said in the slack, I think, you know, the fact that Michigan did so with such a, a you know, run-heavy drive, it kind of got Iowa shaken a little bit. It didn't seem like they even ran their script to start the game. And, and I think that that's why it would have been important for Iowa to, to start with the ball because then you're starting – in more known field position, a known score situation, and you can run the stuff you want to run instead of the stuff you kind of need to run. Because that that first drive felt very much like a, um, all right, we need to try and get this thing even when they 100% could not get it even instead of let's let's try and get this game back on our terms. And when I say even, I mean like, you know, the situational – stuff that I mentioned before. Yeah, I guess I was <clears throat> as about ready to push back on you on saying I'm not holding as much stock in the defer deferral as you are, but now, you know, thinking about it, Michigan did everything it wanted to do. You're right uh, on that drive. It was surgical. I thought it was going to be 40 to nothing um, with the way Michigan handled Iowa um, on that drive. And I guess it's maybe a little bit like, uh, the, the mindset, you know, you put your, the opposite idea, uh, the opposite of putting your defense on first, if it's overtime or something, um, you know, it's sort of give your offense the ball first and then sort of let that dictate. But I guess how, what are, what are the numbers on Kirk deferring? Doesn't he defer every single time or just about like, uh, that's not surprising to me. And I mean, again, I still don't, I think it's a little weird to be talking about, that front and center. Uh, oh yeah. Game. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's silly too, but I think it just, it, it showed kind of a, a mindset that I didn't necessarily agree with and letting the game t- come to them. To me, Iowa had to do everything they, they could to kind of impose their will on the game instead of giving the ball to Michigan and letting them do that. To me, to me, it's more of a, I just don't know that they came in with, with the, the right mindset. Like, but <sighs> It's hard to take too much away from it, at least in terms of what I expected to what actually happened when you kind of said at halftime, you know, we're so numb to the way Iowa has played football that being down 13-0 felt good in some way. It felt like a moral victory, and <clears throat> this isn't the time or the place for, you know, moral victories. Like, like I said, we're a bunch of lobsters slowly boiling in a pot of, a pot of water, you know, uh, to to have the game even be close uh, at, at half. It was just, you know, it was close at half in the national ch- in the conference championship game too, right? Like, uh, you know, Iowa, I guess in the way you can make the argument, kind of had Michigan where it wanted them, but with this offense, with <clears throat> the way the season, the way just the team has looked as a whole this season, I, I felt pretty confidently that Iowa wasn't going to really push at all. Um, and this sort of played out exactly how I would have expected. You know, the most surprising thing was Iowa having a chance to make it 
a one-score game with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that felt like highway robbery that I was yeah, at that Yeah, seriously. Like, like, oh, we can – because that, if you're Jim Harbaugh and somehow, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that offensive pass interference call. But and, – and the refereeing by no mistake, I don't even want to talk about it because I don't think Iowa played – nearly well enough for it to have made an impact but it was just so weird some of the plays that that went against them and in maybe a a weird take like I don't know that like the the play calling was all that bad I don't know that the play design was all that bad outside of a couple really weird instances like I think Hawkeye game film had it you know he didn't necessarily like that fourth and two play call because they ran it once successfully, and then the next time they ran it, Michigan, you know, ha- had it beat. And then again, you're you're running kind of the exact same play. But it just felt like when Iowa plays the way they do on offense, it is just so important for plays that are dialed up successfully to, to hit. And I think that that's where, in the first half, it was just brutal because there was the one three and out where – Petrus missed three open guys all high. Yeah. And that, that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Like, oh, Iowa's not going to have a chance because it felt like at that point Iowa did have a chance and then we they didn't after it. It, it sort of felt at, – at the end it felt like Petrus was treating Laporta like the way I treated Jerome Bettis or Jamal Lewis and, and Madden where they're guaranteed to break – the first tackle and the second tackle is like an 80%. They'll break it because he kind of was for a couple of plays. They're like, uh, I think I, there was a second down that should have gone for a three yard loss, but it went for a six yard gain. Um, the Porter just went beast mode. And I mean, like he's good. The Porter's a really good player. He's probably, I mean, he'll get a shot at the NFL, but I don't know if he's the kind of guy you want to revolve your offense around. And I mean, Rudaney definitely, we had been missing him for sure. He looked like his old self today, but again, no Keegan Johnson. I want to know where Arlen Bruce was. I figure he was probably pretty well double covered most of the time because he has been, I was only offense to speak of um, in this young season so far. But the other thing too, is like, if I told you I only had 35 yard rushing, would you believe that? No, I, I, I don't because I thought I, it seemed like the, the, there were certain aspects of the run game that were going really well, and it wasn't even like Iowa was dialing up all the, the stuff I like with jet sweep action and things of that nature to, to free Caleb Johnson. He's just a dude is ultimately what it comes down to. Like To me, maybe that's, that's perhaps the biggest takeaway from this because from, from an Iowa perspective, if, if they can stop shooting themselves in the foot with some of these penalties and – as you kind of said after we chatted, I can't remember when the last time we chatted, but we're all of a sudden almost halfway through this season, you know, and if we're still seeing Iowa make mistakes like they're making now, it seems silly to think that that's all just going to turn on its head. But the fact that Caleb Johnson has established himself as a guy that can, you know, get these 5, 10, 15 yard runs when he's got, uh, kind of the right play dialed up. Like t- to me, that's definitely he's a guy to build the offense around. They just couldn't sustain enough 
drives for him to impact the game in the the first half to, to set Iowa up for closing the door in the second. The problem is, and I don't know how you fix this, because I will say, I feel like Iowa used play action the best it's used it all season, and maybe the best in a few seasons. I don't know. Um, but it felt like they still got so predictable when Johnson had a, a great run, they would just give it back to him. And, you know, I would, I would have said Johnson had 50 or 60 yards on the ground and the Williamses had another 20 between them. And that just wasn't it. it. Everything was just felt so telegraphed everything too. They would do a nice run to the outside and in, in between the guard and the tackle. And then the next play would be a run between the guard and the center. And I mean, let's just face it. I was guards are, really the weakness of the team right now or one of the many one of the biggest weaknesses of the team right now and it just doesn't feel like a, a game plan that's playing you know they're over they're leaning too hard on its strengths and guys like Laporta maybe and leaning too hard on its weaknesses and that that would be I'd say into your offensive line play it's just a little it's bad complimentary football which we've talked about before is something all Kirk Ferentz has preached his entire career and it just feels like he's maybe still saying it, but has forgotten what it is, I guess. Or, or let's say outright lying. It's not lying, but if I were more cynical, I'd say he's just lying uh, about the way he wants to play football. That, that's a point I think maybe we need to discuss this week. Because I, I think Gus Johnson said it at one point where Iowa historically known for their offensive line play. And I think we need to bury that. Capital H history. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I don't know that we can say, and maybe 2020 COVID year, this is always a point you want to hammer, right? That we really shouldn't take anything seriously from that perspective. Because that felt like the last time I was had, you know, a real push in in the running game as well as being able to to pass protect. But from a... a, offense perspective to to me he's built so much of his credibility as an offensive line orchestrator because they've had individual talent come through and been successful but as an orchestrator to me it's really 2002 2008 especially by the end of that year with Sean Green and then 2016 and 15 16 but really only in the run game like it's not like Iowa is consistently putting up four and a half, five yards per carry with all different types of backs. It is really, it's not, he's not able to orchestrate offensive lines like, like they did in 2002. And I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, Mainly because that 2002 team had four NFL draft picks on them. And I think a fifth guy who, who stuck around the NFL, uh, you know, but we're just not going to see that confluence of events created any time future. And I, I, I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to, at least from, from an offensive line perspective, is that, that they're just not, not there yet. And I don't know if they'll be there by the end of this year or if all these guys who are young will still be around playing for, for next year. And that's when we see the offensive line really come together with Caleb Johnson behind them. But ultimately it's just like, it, it, feels like two steps forward, three steps back right now with the offensive line. 
Uh, I can't get to all the numbers fast enough, but I feel confident in saying over the past 17 games, so this year and all of last year, you can count on one hand how many times I was had a 100-yard rusher in a game. And that's that's not how you win. I, that's not one, not how you win football games, period, in the Big Ten. And that's two, not how Iowa football wins football games. Like, it's just – it is pretty asinine. And I, I do think, you know, having guys like Tyler Linderbaum and having guys like um, – Got got uh, the right tackle for the Bucks right now. Oh, like Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs having these ambassadors for the program and the offensive line it makes it easy to forget the you know it's, there's four other guys um, in that unit and it's you're you're right it is pretty crazy uh, and I know people are I know people are I know the big reason why people are going to point to that and then I don't want to fight them with it for right now but it is. Something that, like, are you scared now of, like, Caden Proctor not coming to Iowa for stuff like this? I mean, I think this shows how much Iowa needs him. Yeah. Like, like I, I mean, I think he he he's a more de- developmental, but, like, I think you see where Iowa struggles from a right tackle perspective. And then, you know, I have to do a little bit of a mea culpa because I thought putting Colby out there, he's the best offensive lineman returning, get him into a position of need. And he struggled. I think that, you know, he's, he's a guy who's playing – he's a guard struggled? playing tackle. Who hasn't struggled? But, yeah, who hasn't struggled? <laughs> I mean, he got work on that last drive. But, man, um, tough to put it all on him. He's just young. And he's definitely the guy that maybe back to guard with a, a guy who can be kind of that true bookend. Um, maybe we see Iowa's offense play better next year. But to, to your point, the Cavalry ain't coming. I guess it's like, too, I don't want to be even more cynical here, but it's like if you're Kirk or Brian, Kirk, you know, was lauded as an offensive line coach, being a head coach, and then Brian was the offensive line coach for a little bit when Iowa did have, you know, during those 2015-16 seasons when they won the Joe Moore Award or whatever. It's like, wouldn't you want, if you thought you were best served somewhere else in the coaching staff, wouldn't you want to maybe – go and do that too and spend some more time there. I realize, you know, what's the current offensive line coach named George Barnett. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not sure if we see him for another year, you know, after the, if, depending on the way things go, it's just, and that's, just, and I hate pointing the finger at one guy because it's a football team. It's a program. It's not anybody's single fault. Um, but it is, you know, it's the easy thing to do right now. Getting to your stat, though, that you asked about, Ben, Iowa has had a 100-yard rusher in five separate instances uh, in the last two seasons. The, the teams Iowa played when that happened were Kent State, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska, and then Nevada. So that was Tyler Johnson four times – or excuse me, Tyler Goodson four times and Caleb Johnson once. So uh, – I was yeah. right. I said one hand in the past 17 games. Yep. Yep, you did. Shall, oh my shall we God. get to, get to uh, some people who are requesting to speak? Yeah, let's get Iowa punt. Let's get our dear, dear old friend Iowa punt returner on here. All righty. Go ahead and get Iowa punt returner, and then we'll go ahead and uh, get Colleen after after him. So let, let's see. Did, did you add him? Uh, yes, he, you did. All right. What's up, IPR? How are we doing? All right, I'm going to throw some stats at you because I hit you up during the game. Here's here's my stat. I'm not going to bitch about complaining or complaining about Petrus. I'm done with that. But 
since November of 2018, the last 24 Iowa home games, Iowa is 20 and four if you take the under. This game start, you have to take the under wow. early too. I mean, when it first comes out, you can't hesitate. This game opened at 43 and a half. I was, this is as nervous as I was at the end with that worthless touchdown at the very end, but they scored. But it ended up 41 and it was 43 and a half today, 20 and four since the start of the 21 season last year. Iowa at home, they've hit it eight out of the last 11 games. Two of those games was when Padilla started Minnesota and Illinois game. And then Petrus was the Indiana game to start the season. So my last thing is back to football. So I don't know if you guys are betting guys. I'm not condoning anybody to bet. It's your money. Do it as you wish. But I'm just telling you 20 and four since November of 18 at home games only. I don't bet away games, home games only. Last thing. Last thing. Let's go to stats again real quick on this game in general. Do you think, coming out with a sense of urgency. Like you mentioned, I, I agree with, I would have took the ball to begin the game. I get, I get our defense is touted and the best as the nation, but let's go out and try to try to move the ball and then to play our game, you know, like you were saying. So Iowa had through three quarters, 112 yards of total offense. They got 169, stat, 169 in the fourth quarter alone. Because they play with the yeah. sense of urgency at the end when they're down that much, you know. So I don't know. I'll hang up. Listen, I love you guys. Keep it up, Petrus. Yeah, just keep winning me money, buddy. That's all I got to say. Keep playing him. <laughs> He's not coming out unless he gets hurt. Just keep winning me money because it's paying my bills. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I think I think you put the word to it that that I'm meant to get because even their their first touchdown drive it didn't even feel like Iowa was all that urgent like they were just kind of meandering down the field uh at least to start it I I tweeted like it it felt like Iowa was just trying to not get embarrassed at that point like they weren't even necessarily trying to to score win the game but they kind of fell backwards into it and then you look you look at the 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 next drive that they had six six minutes and 56 seconds and, and to your point that doesn't exactly speak, you know, urgency. They're, they're just trying to, to warm up the, their cars and, and get home. They're, warm up their mopeds, I guess. Only two three and outs, though, which that's kind of progress in some way. Oh, my God. I mean, sure, if that's what makes you happy. Uh, I, I don't love, you know, taking gambling stats into a, a broader – discussion of the performance of a football team but I mean yeah 20 and 4 <laughs> at the under is something what I eyebrow raising at best concerning at worst or maybe the other way around um I guess again it's just like the most predictable thing of all time to everybody but who's important uh most predictable team of all time for everybody who isn't getting paid to be on this team you know it's just, it's, I've felt this way basically since 2012, 2014, 2013. Like, pick a year that you've been, as an avid fan of this football team, and I feel like anybody would say at this point that they could coach this team better. Am I wrong or am I wrong? I mean, I think that's an exaggeration, but it, it, it certainly feels like, oh, there, there's got to be 
when you say that, I don't think I could step in and do a better job. But I think there are people out there who could step in there and do a better job. Although, if you're if you're a rising offensive coordinator, I don't know that Iowa is the place where you would want to go and see your career die. Um, again, I think this is probably a a broader conversation. But who, who do you actually hire that that can fix it? I guess. John Budmeyer, maybe like, but, but really Kurt, Brian isn't getting another job unless the offense plays well. That, no, that's, man. that's no, man. At. There's too much ference in the walls. It seeps in. You need an entirely new foundation. It's just, there's nothing he can do with, with, with Kirk and Brian there. It's there. I don't think anything's going to change while they're still there. Like why, why would you think anything would, you know, like remember yeah. new Kirk? Newkirk was the same fucking Kirk, man. <laughs> just, just painted him green, and it it wore off uh, after you know, fit, you know, fourteen, fifteen games. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and make Colleen a speaker, and then if anyone else wants to to add some stuff, please request. As always, remember you are. We can mute you. So hi, hi. Colleen, how are you? Hi. Can everybody hear me? Hey, Colleen. Hey. So. Well, he kind of took away the the comment that I was going to make about urgency. Where, why the hell Iowa didn't just go with the ball and just go with it to see what they had is beyond me. My birthday is on October 19th. Everybody knows what October 19th, 1983 was one of the biggest wins against Michigan. I used to live in Virginia for like 20 years, and we went to all the like Iowa-Penn State games. Iowa pounded that ball. They had urgency. They had and they were never a team that was supposed to beat Penn State or supposed to beat whoever, Ohio State or whoever. Who's in charge of that urgency? Why are we not taking the ball? Why are we not pounding it down their throats? Who, I, and That's another good point that I, I feel like we haven't talked about is, too. Like, when Iowa was in the red zone in the fourth quarter, they kept on running the ball. You know, I keep on wondering, like, why, why they, I understand like balance and everything. And maybe, you know, running, it did work on third and nine and all that. But again, it, it looked like as they're opening things up, hitting, hitting seams down the middle to Brody Brecht and Luke Lachey uh, was like the only, that was really catching Michigan off guard. And as ever, as we're talking more and more about this, I guess I will say offer mea culpa and say, I would probably should have, you know, taken the, received the ball. But again, I still have a really tough time admitting that the choice made in the first second oh, yeah. of the game I mean, was a I, result. I like the fact that it, I'm not unhappy that they didn't take the ball to see what Michigan had, honestly. But on the flip side, I think with this game, with with this young team, we needed to take the ball to see what we could do. Um, it just I was at the Iowa-Penn uh, State game when Iowa held them scoreless in the second half, 21 they won 20 to 21 to 20 and Penn state was so just balls to the walls in that game. And Iowa never gave up. We're not seeing that. And what the hell was that penalty on that, on that, um, the center who is anybody? I mean, <laughs> come on. Roughness, roughness on an offensive line. I mean, yeah. come on. I guess we haven't talked about the penalties yet. I, I still don't think, they affect the outcome. I think if I would, I, I put this in my recap. If I would did score a touchdown to make it 14, uh, 20, 
I would have been prepared to admit that maybe the penalties affect the outcome of the game, but yeah, ultimately yeah. in the end, they didn't. It yeah, and I agree. It didn't. It didn't. But I think it just every time we saw like some penalty come out of the air, like some of those. I mean, how many times did Michigan hold? Come on, seriously. Oh wait, wait. We're gonna give you another field goal to get get your hold on that one. I think it just sucked the air out of Iowa. I'm proud of the Iowa fans for not giving up on Iowa. Um, I'd like to slap that female ref and her hair and stuff. She's like, oh, my God. Just like these worthless penalties. But Iowa needs to go. They need to just forget that they're young and just go after it. They got to they gotta do something. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so th- thanks, Colleen. Uh, appreciate uh, your takes. We'll go ahead and uh, get to – ZB now. What's going on? Make sure you unmute uh, your phone. Hey, guys. Uh, big fans. Uh, just wanted to say, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to harp on, you know, the refs, referees or anything like that. I think the, pic- the big picture is a lot worse. Uh, but just as Iowa fans, I mean, our, our defense kept us in the game which is kind of laughable, but it, it, they kind of just, if our offense is even mediocre at this point, we have an amazing football team. I'll, I'll let you guys talk about it. I know. I do want to talk about on a day where Purdue beat Minnesota and Minnesota and Wisconsin took perhaps, I don't know, but probably one of its worst losses in Camp Randall and I don't know how long. This is a team Iowa trots out. The season is the most frustrating thing to me. Big picture, Big Ten. Like, I think somebody tweeted that this is pro- this could be the last year of the Big Ten West or Big Ten divisions. I don't know if that's true, but if that's true, Iowa has its probably its best opportunity. I mean, even though they went to the championship game last year, but another great opportunity to make it back this year. And this is the product it puts out is perhaps the most disheartening thing for me. But maybe like. The darkest part of that, Ben, is like one and one. Everyone's one and one now, right? Right. Levels of playing field. Like Minnesota looked like they were absolutely run away with it. And now, but God, do you have any confidence winning Champagne next? It could be the first sold out game in Champagne since what? Juice Williams? Oh, man. Night, night game there. Oh, my God. Like, do you have any confidence in Iowa winning that one? No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Not as much as before, but here's the current state of the, the Big Ten West, Ben, is uh, Northwestern is the only team with a winning record, and they haven't gone down to Penn State just yet, uh, 0-0 as, as of this point. But, man, is this what's going to happen is somehow – it doesn't even feel like a team's going to – the cream is going to rise to the top. It just feels like this piece of garbage in the ocean isn't going to – to fall away it's like a rose on the the titanic that that's what the the big 10 west feels like is whoever is left holding on to debris after the division goes down is going to be the team that wins it it's race to the bottom it's another race race to the bottom bottom. and it's like big 10 east's just looking i mean even i mean big 10 east is looking even more top heavy than usual michigan state uh, being just bad, and I, I'm not. I'm still a Penn State truther. Um, so just another Ohio State Michigan year, which 
I guess it's kind of always been the Big Ten, right? Big two plus 12. Yeah. Big two plus 12. A- anything else, ZB, or else we can, uh, if anyone else wants to, to request some stuff, ha- happy to, to add that. Yeah, the, the only other thing is uh, kind of along the same lines with the offense. I mean, are we just that uncreative of an offense? Is it, is it the, yes. the Brian, Brian Ference is just we don't have any creativity I mean, every every other offense, it, it seems, you know, we're last. We're the last. They put that graphic. You know, Joel Platt <laughs> and 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 those guys talked about it during the broadcast today, and they put that graphic on there, and it's it's embarrassing. It's it's it's. I mean, I, I get that we we you know we have the we cheer for the punter and and like it, we have a really good punter, but I think that's just kind of like a cute thing. It's not cute anymore because. We're, we're cheering for the punter because of how bad our offense is. I was literally about to say the cuteness of that novelty has worn off so hard for me. Like I saw somebody tweeted another picture of somebody wearing a, we cheer. There's a, we, I think there was a, we cheer for the punter flag in the stands today. It's like, I don't care. Like I, that's been there, seen that already. You know, I'm ready for some new content. Like it's overplayed now. I, right, I cheer off. for touchdowns. I, I yes. want, I... <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, give me something new. I cheer for winning. I cheer for touch. Fuck, I'll take a field goal. You know, it's just something new. It's, it's even safeties, they're overplayed now. We have a lot of them. Give me give me touchdowns. Um, all right. Anybody else want to give us a shot? Or it looks like, perhaps... This has died. Oh no. I don't know if anybody can hear me, but looks like the space is I can okay. Hear you. Um, I, I think that's a sign to probably call this. Alrighty. I think I just like vamped all by myself for a solid 20 to 30 seconds waiting. For okay. You. I did. I did the exact same. So we'll see. We'll see who won out <laughs> on, <laughs> on this. Alrighty, so uh, that's the after party for this. It'll be uh, in the podcast feed uh, sooner or later. And yeah, I did record it. So oh. Ben made sure to remind <laughs> me of that. I was nice about <laughs> and, it. And uh, I know it, it was it was a good text. Uh, so Ben, uh, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, he is Renboss23. I am HD underscore star. Uh, thanks everyone, and go Hawks. Hawks, Dave.